again, the opportunity to speak in. It's great. I took the privilege of having, the, I think I had the last sermon on the old stage, and now I'm up on the new one, which is awesome. So I count every time up here as a privilege and a blessing. I was able to share this morning in the 8 o'clock service, and it's great. You know, I think, I think in here we've got we to gotta catch up to those guys in the 8 o'clock service, man. They're pretty, they're pretty on fire. You know, they're really lively, and they really praise and worship the Lord, and I think they can teach us a few things about doing that in the Spirit. Let's throw down the challenge and the gauntlet this morning. But I've been asked to round off our series of Love Ran Red this morning. And I'm going to do my utmost to take us to that place and help us come to the end of that series this morning. So in doing that, let's, let's not delay. Let's get straight into God's Word. And I want you to turn with me. The Scripture will come up on the screen. So Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 8. And this is Love Ran Red, part 3. Verse 5 says this, read along with me. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Verse 7, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now, in the time that I have with you this morning, I want to I speak to, to a couple of groups of people here, and I believe they're all of us. But the first group of, group of people I want to speak to this morning is, anyone here ever been under pressure before? Raise your hand if you've been under pressure. Yeah. Some of you might think, oh, Cliff's under pressure this morning up on that stage. Right? But some of us have been under pressure, or some of us are under pressure. It might be financially, it might be relational, all different sorts of pressures we face in our life. So I want to talk to the person in the room this morning who's feeling a pinch of pressure in their life. I also want to talk to the people in this room that need a bit of an attitude adjustment this morning. Ooh, yeah. Quiet, quiet. An attitude adjustment. Why? Well, I said to the 8 o'clock service, you know, we come into this workshop here this morning, and I believe God wants to tune us up. Some of us have been running wrong for a long time, running incorrectly, or not running to our full capacity. And I believe God wants to change us this morning. Stir us up to send us back out. So I want to talk to those spirits this morning, pressure and attitude. So to start with, we've got our our scripture here that we've just read, Philippians chapter 2. Let's park that over there for a moment. And I want to start with having a look at Jesus just really, really quickly. Because Jesus gives us the context, because we're talking about a heart to serve here this morning. Being in a heart of service. And I want to take us to a passage of scripture, if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 26 verse 39. And it takes us to a a, a point in Christ's story here where he comes into the garden of Gethsemane. Now, for those of you who might know this, some of you may not know, but Gethsemane is loosely translated to be the oil press or the place of great pressure. Okay, So isn't it fitting that Jesus came to this place of great pressure, right, where he came on his knees before the trial commenced that led to his, his crucifixion. So we come to this place of great pressure, the oil press. And we know or you might not know this, but I'm going to tell you now, so you will know, all right, that the more you squeeze an olive, the more oil you get. Simple, right? So the more pressure you apply, the more good stuff comes out. 
Let's have a quick look at Jesus this morning because what's this got to do with attitude? Well, I tell you, it's got everything to do with attitude. We're talking about his love that ran red for us and what he did on that cross. But we're coming to this point now where we're serving a risen Savior. We're talking about that this morning. So it says here in Matthew 26, 39, not to labor the point, but to move forward, it says, he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying. So he fell on his face. Why? Because he just came back from the disciples who were what? Sleeping. I mean, they should have been praying and with the attitude to do what they were called to do, but they were asleep. He falls on his face and he says, what to his father? Look at the language here. He says, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And there's a break. Look at the language. He says, oh, my father. He doesn't say, oh, Lord. He doesn't say, oh, God. It gives us some insight into the relationship Jesus has with his heavenly father. He's saying to him, oh, my father, my father, this person I love and that I've fallen in love with. If it be your will, take this cup from me. See, a lot of us believe that Jesus was under pressure. You know, Pastor Adam talked us through the, the physiology of sweating blood, and that was awesome. But here's the thing. In this place of Gethsemane, a lot of people believe that Jesus was under such pressure and felt it, and we use the word distress that was in, in the word here. The word distress, because why? Because he was going to the cross and the physical death he was about to, to go through, the torment and the torture. Yeah, that was some of it. But let me tell you why his heart was so distressed. You know, the Bible says that sin, it is sin that separates or causes a separation between us and who? Our God. What was Jesus about to do when he went to the cross? He was going to wear the what? The sin of the world. So why was he so distressed? Because I tell you why, it's all in his language here. He says, oh, my father, this person I love so much, I don't want to be separated from you. I don't want to be set apart and divided. That's what was distressing him. That's what was causing such pressure in his heart as he could not imagine his life separate from his God. Not just his God, his father. You seen that this morning, church? So he, and here's my point. He loved his father so much, he asked him to take it away. He said, God, take it from me. And what does God do? God loved us so much that God was silent. It says there, it doesn't go on to say, after Jesus said, if it be your will, take this cup. It says, sorry, it doesn't say that God came down and said to Jesus, hey, son, just let me give you a bit of context. Let me explain to you why you must go to the cross. I know I talked to you about it before, but I've just got to remind you. No, he didn't. What did he say? He said nothing. Heaven was silent. Why? Because God knew his son had to get up. God knew no matter of explanation, Jesus knew what was the cost for us. See, I say to you that Jesus loved his father so much, he was asking him to take it away, but God loved us so much that he let him go through it. Get some understanding about that cross that we're talking about this morning. Love ran red for you and for me. See, church, I'll tell you something about following Jesus. Following Christ was never meant to be easy. Following Christ isn't easy. In fact, following Christ means it costs you. It means that there's a bit of pressure that comes with it. But pressure's good. I talked to the 8 o'clock service this morning and I said the same thing. Who here owns a pair of track pants? Put your hand up. Come on. Everyone knows a pair of track pants, eh? Now, why do we wear track pants? Because they're, they're comfortable. If you ever watch Nacho Libre, he says it, my stretchy pants. All right? They're stretchy pants. 
Why do we wear stretchy pants? Because they're comfortable. But you see, comfortable pants aren't for every context, are they? You wouldn't see me preaching up here in stretchy pants. That would look a bit funny, right? I might say, Cliff's a bit too comfortable up there. You never see the groom walking, waiting at the front of the, waiting for his bride in track pants, right? And runners, okay? My point is, track pants are comfortable. Comfortable is good for a certain occasion and for a certain context. But here's the, here's the problem with being comfortable. If you wear stretchy pants too much, you don't quite know where your boundary is. Right? So as you put on weight, you don't know. Am I growing? Am I shrinking? Am I getting fatter? Am I getting slimmer? When you're too loose with your boundaries, when you don't have standards in your life, yeah, when you don't have standards in your life, you don't know what's going on, church. You don't know where you need to adjust, where you need to stop eating. Right? See, sometimes you need to wear the tight pants. Now, don't get me wrong. Here, some of you are going, ah, oh, see, Cliff said we've got to be tight. No, all right? I'm not saying be tight. I'm saying wear your tight pants because sometimes you need your limitations. Sometimes you need to know where I need to grow, where I need to stop. I'm wearing skinny jeans this morning, right? Because it's uncomfortable, right? I'm up here sweating because it's uncomfortable, but I do it because it's appropriate, right? It's appropriate. But do you get what I'm saying, church? When you live in a place of comfortability, you don't know where you're growing. But see, in the, in the stretch is where you grow. And I gave this little saying to the, to the group this morning, I think a few of them loved it, was that we've got to be like tea bags. And you see, you don't know what you're made of. Like a tea bag, you don't know what you're made of until you're placed in hot water. Yeah? So like Jesus, he went through pressure. He allowed himself to be pressured. Why? Because of you sitting in that chair there this morning. There was a purpose. But see, what I'm trying to say to church as Christians, as believers, we'll face pressure in our life. But this is why we have the body. Like I said, it's not easy being a Christian, but man, it's not, the manual doesn't say it is. But what it says is that you don't hop in your protective bubble as soon as you give your heart to the Lord and no problems will hit you. No, it's when you give your heart to the Lord, you get a set of armor. All right, you qualify for your armor. You get given your armor and you put it on because it's gonna come hard and it's gonna come fast. But as you grow, you get stronger. Like going to the gym, I've been going to the gym with my brother Jermaine, right? Some of, nearly everyone knows who Jermaine is, sort of. Now Jermaine, see the thing with the way you work out is that, and there's some pretty buff guys in this house, aren't there? Making them gains every week in the gym, all right? So I'm, I'm trying to aspire to get somewhere like Hayden, right? Where are you, Hayden? bulging biceps somewhere. But the whole point of going to the gym is that you work out your muscles, right? Now, we call this thing a plateau. The plateau is when you, when you, when you get to a point where you're not engaging, you're stretching your muscles or putting them under pressure any further. So what you have to do is you have to intensify, take it to the next level and see the brother Jermaine is great for that. He'll say, come on, bro, give me 10. All right, so I'm on the, on the whatever this one is called and I got the bar on my neck and it's hurting like crazy and I'm pushing up. And, he's, and he comes and sits in front of me with a video camera and he's recording me, right? But I pay him no attention because I'm thinking, oh, yep, okay. So I'm pushing these weights and he goes, give me 10, cuz. I give him 10. I'm like, on my 10th one, I'm like this, 10. And he goes, give me two more. <laughs> I give him two more and he says, give me three more, right? My point is this. He knows that to get the best out of me, I need to put my muscles under duress. He needs to push me beyond what I think I can do. Because some of us, some of us are those YouTube workarouters, aren't we? Yeah, you know what I mean? The ones that you go, oh, 
I don't want to start at the gym yet. I just want to start off easy. So I'll go to YouTube and I'll find a workout. And what you do is you work out in your room on your own. Right? But the problem with that is when you start to feel the burn, just, just slightly, you're like, ooh, that's enough. I got a sweat. I did my workout. I'm done. But some of us are like that in our Christian life, aren't we? We say, oh, the pressure's coming. Oh, the burn. Yeah, I feel it. But now you need someone beside you, man. That's what fellowship's important for. You get someone beside you that says, come on, bro. Come on, cuzzy. One more. One more. You give him one more and he says, two more. That's what you need. You need to put your, 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 your spiritual muscles under duress to get them gains. Get them gains. So I want to talk to that this morning. Is that cool? Does that sound like a deal? So my point was, is that Jesus, under so much pressure, pressure, went under that for us. Why? Well, we're going to find out now. We're going to try to understand and link this together. So we go back to our scripture at the beginning, which was Philippians 2, verse 5 and 6. So we'll just start with 5 and 6. And it says, let, says this, Let this mind, I'll read it again, be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. The point here in this first part of the scripture, church, is the mindset of Christ. It says here, this was the mindset. So Paul's telling us we must have the same mindset as our Father, as Jesus Christ did. And what was that? Well, we're going to talk about it in a moment. But he also says there, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. In short, without having to do a series on that alone, basically saying that because he is God, because he was God, it's not blasphemous for him to say that. It's, it's not contentious for him to do so because he is God. But here's the important part of that piece of scripture, five and six, is that he's urging us to have the mindset of Christ. Now, what is the mindset, you might be asking? What is the mindset? Well, the mindset to humble yourself. And the the rest of the scripture tells us this as we move through, to humble yourself. See, he says in verse seven, to, to enforce what I've just said, to back it up, it says, verse seven, but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Making himself of no reputation. You know, this morning when I was, well, when I found that I was going to be the preacher, I came in here this morning, I didn't walk in and say, the preacher's here. The preacher's here. Right, and sit up the front. Because why? I'm making myself known. Right, it's all for me. Jesus didn't want that. Jesus didn't care about that. You know, it's funny. I, I, I think, you know, all the years I've been in a band or been in bands, and I remember starting a band once, and every time I've asked this, and this is no disrespect to Matt or bass players, all right? But every time I've asked a, a group, hey, boy, should we start a band? What should we do? The first one always pipes up and says to me, I'm playing guitar. Well, the next one will say, as long as I sing. If I'm the singer, all good, I'm in the band. I've never had anyone in all my years come to me and say, as long as I can be the bass guitarist, all right? So the bass guitar is the last one that everyone's like, Oh, yeah, no one else to play the bass. I'll play the bass. All right? And you have to find people to play the bass. I don't know why that is. Bass is a cool instrument. All right? But for some reason, everyone wants to be up the front. Everyone wants to be the rock star. Everyone wants the rock star position in the church, don't they? Or in life or in whatever we do. You know, (laughs) I joked with the group this morning and I said, hey, you know, it's like people say, we want you to serve in the church and we want you to make cups of tea. And it's cool. I'll make a cup of tea. But I only make a cup of tea as long as there's a title attached to it. So as long as I'm pastor of cup of teas, right? If I'm cup of tea pastor, I will do it. But you know, 
if it doesn't come with the title, I'll have to go away and maybe I'll have to pray about it. I have to do some thinking consideration. But I tell you what, if it comes with the tag, it comes with some notoriety. It comes with some position and qualification. But see, it's easy to want to give of yourself when you get something in return. It's easy to want to sacrifice when there's a benefit for you. You know, you say you sort of want to be that martyr that's like, who wants to do this? And he's like, oh, yeah, okay, I might get some recognition out of it. And you step forward and say, I'll do it. I'll do it. Right? And everyone's like, oh, you're so awesome, Cliff. Not realizing that I'm either getting paid for it or something else. You know, there's some other benefit in it for me. And I'm like, we've all been like that, haven't we? We do things because of what it gives us. But see, it's saying here about Christ, it says of no reputation. He didn't ask for anything. He wasn't asking for notoriety. It says, taking the form of a bondservant. Did you know in the Greek, the bondservant is this word called duolos, right? And duolos basically means to be a slave to or to be a servant of, to be a slave to. Now, when Paul often writes in uh, his, his letters, he talks about him being a bondservant to Christ. But he is the, if you take, the, that's the Greek meaning, now you take the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, this word was translated to a word called ebet. Now that word, it's a different meaning altogether. That means to give oneself voluntarily. To give oneself voluntarily. So, you know, when you look at Jesus and he's on his knees and he's under pressure, what is he doing? He's not, he's not being forced to give his life. Even though it's hard, he's giving it voluntarily. And you've got to understand it this morning, church. We talk about love ran red. It's voluntary love. Not made to do it, not under compulsion, voluntary. Who here today is here because, and we're serving because we're sort of made to. Mum brings me to church, I have to. It's what we do on a Sunday. We go to church. Or who is here today because they want to? There's a difference between want and have to or need to. I said it this morning, again, need is like, you know, we know Jesus needed to go to the cross to atone for our sin. He needed to do that. But there's a difference between Jesus wanting to do it. That's what you've got to understand. Jesus wanted to die for you. He wanted to. He knows he needed to. But he wanted to. It's like me, right? So I go to Jermaine and I say, bro, I need to lose weight. But I don't want to lose weight because I enjoy eating. Right? <clears throat> there's a difference between need and want. I need to mow my lawn. Oh, but I want to mow my lawn. Right, because when I need to, when I need to do it, I'll yeah, I'll go and do it. Nah, off I go, mow it, miss a few patches. Who cares? Get it done quick. But man, if I want to mow my lawn, oh yeah, I'll edge it. I'll pick up every clipping. I'll make it look like a park, and then I'll go and put my backpack on and I'll spray. All right, why? Because I want to do it. Do you see that this morning, church? Jesus wanted to die for you. He knows he needed to, but it shows his heart of servitude. He Wanted to. And that blows me away every time I think about it. Jesus wanted to. It goes on here to say in verse 8, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And before I get to that, you know, when I was really, really quickly, when I was... um. Back, living back up in Auckland, we had just had our twins. And our, pastor hadn't, our pastors of the church hadn't had a sabbatical for, it was close to 30 years at the time. They hadn't had a break. 
and we decided we're going to give them a break. They didn't want to take a break um, because they loved doing what they did, but we said, no, we're going to give you a break. So we ended up, myself and Lisa ended up pastoring the church, and we were called to do it, so we did it, stepped in. I've been growing up in church all my life. My father's a pastor, so I knew what it took, so I thought. I thought I understood what it meant to have to serve and lead. So one morning, anyway, long story short, I was at home, pastoring the church, young family, five kids, and I was managing in corrections at that time, so I was managing a couple of sites. There was a time that morning I was preparing for Sunday, and I was actually reading the crucifixion story. It wasn't Easter, but I was reading over it. And I was going to a meeting, so I was waiting for some other work managers to come and pick me up. As I was waiting waiting for them to pick me up, I sat in my living room, and I was reading the Scripture. And then this scripture started reminding me of a song. Now, I was going to try and fit in, we just didn't have the time, but I was going to try and fit in a song. It's not this one to share with you this morning. But I am going to share a snippet of this song. And I was thinking of this song. It reminded me, the scripture of the song. And the song, and some of you will know it, and if you know it, sing along by all means. But the chorus goes real quickly. The chorus goes like this. It goes, crucified, laid behind a stone. You live to die, rejected and alone. And then I paused, and I welled up inside. And I got goosebumps all over me, and my eyes were tearing. Now, I'm a big, strong guy. I don't cry. Right? But man, this brought me to tears. And it was the next part. So I thought about this and what it was saying, and it says, Like a rose trampled on the ground and this part hit me the most you took the fall and you thought of me above all man whoo i tell you i was bawling my eyes out standing in my living room and i see this car pull up and these people are waiting for me and i wasn't just crying it wasn't just like oh you know, shed a tear. I was like, <laughs> crying, you know, <laughs> really crying, right? Why? Not because it's a sad story. Of course it's sad. But I thought about those words. He kept himself nailed up there because of me. The father of all creation that created all things stayed up there and he didn't have to because of me. He thought of me. He thought of my wife. He thought of my children. He thought of Tony. He thought of Hayden. He thought of Helen. He thought of Ian. He thought of Neil and Mason and everybody here. And he kept himself nailed to that cross because he thought of me. Does that not say everything about his attitude to serve you? And yet look at the lives we live, some of us. I don't challenge you this morning without challenging myself first, I tell you now. But man, it did something for me, and it did something in me. And that last scripture I just read, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. See, here's the key, church, in that scripture. No one humbled Jesus. He humbled himself. In James 4, verse 7, what does it tell you? There's a great scripture, but there's two words right at the start of that scripture. And it says this quite simply. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Don't ask someone else to do it because, oh, it's a different experience when someone else humbles you. But if you humble yourself, what do you become? It says you become obedient. God loves that when you're obedient. Humble yourself. And see, it says, the last thing there, it says, it doesn't say we know that God went to the cross and it doesn't say death on the cross. 
Because death on the cross was the physical death and the atonement for sin, but it says death of the cross. There's a difference. See, death of the cross is you dying to yourself. It means you don't have to pay the price anymore. It means there is no more condemnation, but the cross is dead that he might live. Paul says, take up your cross daily. Why? So that Christ can live in you. So here's the challenge, church. Here's the challenge. That you must die to self. Here's the point. You've got to die to self so that Christ might live. And we say love ran red. Well, I want to flip that on its head this morning. I want to take it because love ran red is in a past tense. I tell you this morning, love runs red for you this morning. That when He died there for you, the promise still remains today. He is our Lord and Saviour and our King. And when you're faced with a sinful situation, the potential to step out in your sin. And if you've been living in that for too long, I challenge you today to think about that. You come to that situation, the boys say, hey, bro, you want to go out for a smoke and a drink and a, and a party and do some drugs and all that sort of stuff. You've got a decision to make and you're at that crossroad. I choose sin or I die to myself and I live for him. And as I take, make that decision, I move on to my next and I increase my faith and I stretch my spiritual muscles. I want to challenge you today. I believe there are people in this house this morning that have either don't know Jesus or have been distant from Him for a while. Because like I said at the beginning, your sin creates a separation between you and your Father. And if that is you this morning, I want to give you an opportunity in a moment. As we come to the end of this word, I want to give you an opportunity in the moment, in this moment, and I'll take you through to either, first of all, make a commitment for the first time if you want Jesus in your heart and Jesus in your life. Or if you need to reconnect with the Father, if you want Him to forgive you for what you've done and you want to recommit your life to Him, this prayer is for you also. And I want to give you the opportunity to do that here this morning.